Sometime in the early 80s, REO Speedwagon's airplane made an unannounced middle-of-the-night landing. This is my friend Kyle McLaughlin, the star of Twin Peaks. And he's telling me about how he discovered a real-life Twin Peaks in rural North Carolina, not far from where he filmed Blue Velvet. What was on the plane was copious amounts of drugs coming in from South America. Supposedly, Pablo Escobar went looking for other spots, quiet, out-of-the-way places to bring in his cocaine. My name is Joshua Davis, and I'm an investigative reporter. Kyle and I talk all the time about the strange things we come across, but nothing was quite as strange as what we found in Varnumtown, North Carolina. There's crooked cops, brother against brother. Everyone's got a story to tell, but does the truth even exist? Welcome to Varnumtown. Varnumtown is available wherever you listen to podcasts. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who's about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis, wherever podcasts are served. Space. I'm Tim here tonight with Lance, as always. What's up, Lance? Just hanging out. Just hanging out on this October 26th evening. It's so close to Halloween. So excited about that. And we did the ghost episode and sort of kind of off the cuff asked for listeners to provide us with their ghost stories. And we had a pretty decent re- response from that. We had a really good reaction. How many, how many do you think we had, like, just on average? Probably a couple hundred uh, responses, uh, ghost stories. Um, yeah, no, it was pretty cool. So we we really, on a whim, decided to talk about ghosts a couple weeks ago. And we said, hey, you know, it's getting close to Halloween. Maybe we'll do another episode if, if we get enough cool ghost stories from our audience. And you guys delivered. So we're going to read some emails uh, tonight, also going to tell a quick story uh, about my sister, and we have a clip from an old friend that we'll uh, play in just a bit. So this is Ghost Part 2, Lance. Ghost Part 2, I like it. And you said that they delivered, and they, they really did, and I just want to thank everybody who contributed by sending in their ghost stories. They were awesome. Uh, we did read them all. We Tim might have exaggerated a little when he said hundreds. I'd say we got dozens. Uh, we did read them. Uh, we couldn't, just for the sake of time, we couldn't possibly uh, read every one of them on the air. But know that your story was read by us. And for the most part, it did keep me up uh, a couple extra minutes per night thinking about some of these stories. <laughs> and that's a lot for Lance because Lance needs his, uh, his sleep. I need, my, I need my four to six hours. I need my four to six hours because... <laughs> Because, you know, this shit doesn't make itself pretty. (laughs) Right, yeah. Our first story comes from Brad. Brad says, I need to preface by saying I am not a believer in any of this stuff, but I do keep an open mind, and I just want hard evidence before I jump into believing things. The only evidence I ever come across for anything paranormal is through another party. I've never photographed anything myself or experienced anything truly significant. So there's always that nagging voice in the back of my mind when I see photos like this that says uh, bullshit, I think, you know. Brad, you and I are on the same page with this. I've never seen anything. I want to see something I would love to believe. And so it really resonated when I read that from Brad. And he goes on to say, now with that being said, this photo I have sent was sent to me by a close friend, 2010, and this is his story. He says his sister sent him the photo after one of her kids had gotten a hold of her camera and started texting pictures of random things in the house. 
where they were living at the time. She had taken the camera and started going through to delete the pictures her kid had taken when she found this one and noticed something interesting about it. Brad says, I trust my friend that he believes his sister's story, but I can't speak to his sister's character myself. I I don't know if she has the capability to fake something like this or not. I don't know anything at all about editing photos or whatever, but I know one of you guys mentioned that you had some experience with it. He says, take a look. Can you tell me if it seems legit or fake? And he says he doesn't know what to look for. All he has is this photo and the story to go along with it. And for him... That isn't enough to say for sure what's going on in the picture, but he does find it interesting. Then he says, anyway, let me know what you guys think. If it's clearly doctored, let me know so he can rub it in his buddy's face. <laughs> um, yeah, looking at the photo, I would say I don't see anything that looks clearly doctored. It's not a completely high-res photo or anything like that, but um, not, no obvious signs. It's not like great or anything it looks the 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 image is uh two uh young girls playing playing a computer game it looks like sitting at at a desk and uh it's a photo of a living room and a little bit of maybe a kitchen or side of a, a dining room or something and there's a little girl sort of an apparition uh standing on the floor kind of you can't really tell if it's in front of the table or behind the table because it kind of goes a little lighter as it gets to the bottom but it looks pretty clearly to be a little girl uh like four or five in a dress it, the the photo the first thing that strikes that strikes me if i saw this photo i would be like oh well it's a photo of nothing why would that picture have been taken you know but uh, but he explains it in there, so that's already ruled out. Um, but but my next question would be, so you know whose apartment this is? This isn't just like a hoax that's going around the internet and it's just some random photo. Uh, so like I would I would want confirmation that that's an apartment that someone actually knows that I can talk to firsthand. Right. So part part one of this photo investigation for Brad is to even identify even though the story is is that a, a young a, a young a, a young uh, the daughter I guess picked up the camera and was just randomly snapping the pictures um and she was going through to to uh, delete them it sort of looks like a raggedy and doll like a translucent raggedy and doll so it looks like the head's kind of cocked to one side i wouldn't know if this would be some sort of doctoring unless there's a pretty slick photoshop in there you don't you don't really see any edges you know yeah. you don't see you don't see any sharp edges on it yeah it's pretty good i think yeah if someone doctored this as a joke then they they did a pretty decent job yeah but if you doctored it as a joke it doesn't look very i would have probably put that apparition a little bit closer to the other two girls there and maybe with like the apparition's hands coming out to like touch the girl or something. Right. So it's uh it's from this emailer from Brad's friend who sent it to him and Brad's friend supposedly it's Brad's friend's sister's place. So I would ask Brad, have you been to that place? Is that what it looks like? And if not, it, ask your friend um you know if that's really his sister's place cuz maybe his sister is messing with him. Um, so I would track it back there first. And then after that, I would probably just shrug. <laughs> I mean, has, is the place haunted otherwise? Like, are there other reports other than this photo of the place being scary in, in any way? Right. How long had they lived in this place? Had they heard anything else? Did they, did they smell certain sulfur smells <laughs> in this house? The, the girl's um, not holding a knife. It's not a bloody dress. So she seems peaceful. It doesn't seem like a dangerous ghost. If it is see, a ghost. that's why I'm saying if if this was to be photoshopped, why not throw a knife in there? <laughs> right, why not right. This... I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but maybe that's the brilliance of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But this does remind me of the picture that we discussed last time on Ghosts Part One, uh, with the the Stanley Hotel picture with the ghost hunting group, and there were those two mysterious apparitions that were 
on uh, the stairs coming up onto one level and then the other level going up. And you said we had a message from a very dear friend of ours. Maybe this is a good segue into it because he does a pretty decent job sort of technically breaking down how a camera can take a picture like this. So it is our our dear and old, very old friend, Jordan Bonaparte from the Nighttime Podcast, who uh, sent us his thoughts on ghosts. And uh, it's about seven minutes. Let's play that now. Hello, Tim. Hi, Lance. Jordan from the Nighttime Podcast here. You guys probably noticed uh, I've been trying hard to reach you both by phone, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, but I've had no luck I'm thinking I've either been blocked or maybe your critics are right and the two of you have gone Hollywood. I guess there's also a third possibility, one in which your time is spread thin between your two incredible podcasts and your hit TV series. I'm really hoping it's the third that's true. If so, congratulations on the well-deserved success. I'm proud to know you both and I'm honored to, at least for one night, have shared the stage with both of you and Satan like we did that night in Somerville. In the end, why you aren't responding to me is irrelevant. If you're hearing this message, that means you've received the USB thumb drive I've sent you via registered mail, and you found the lone audio file it contained. So now that I have your attention, let me get to my message. You're probably wondering why I've been blowing up your inbox the way I have. It's not because I want Maggie Freeling's autograph or a lock of Tim's Kennedy hair. It's because I want to share my thoughts on the recent Crawl Space episode in which you discuss the phenomenon of ghosts or spirits. Firstly, I'd like to commend you for taking on the topic and opening the door to a conversation that includes considerations of parapsychology and the unexplained. In listening to the episode, I felt you took a balanced look at the phenomenon, but there were a few things that bothered me. I want to start with the Stanley Hotel photo. The idea that we can capture a ghost's image on film is an archaic one. Better suited to the days when photography was much less understood. To me, when looking at the photo, it's a clear case of a shot in which the shutter speed was such that the motion was captured. Thus, anything moving quicker than the shutter appears as a blur. In looking at the photo, to the right, a red jacket draped over a lady's arm is a blur. And a small child, stepping from one stair to another also appears as a blur, not a paranormal or supernatural apparition. I don't think it's a ghost. I think it's just a coincidence that the shutter was released as she dropped her weight from one stair to the other. An easily recreatable event on your own, uh, the stairs in your own home if you have a manual camera set to somewhere around one-fourth a second exposure. I won't even mention the fact that the photo was taken on a ghost tour. To me, their credibility is already gone. Think of it this way. If a guy wearing an X-Files shirt ran up to you saying, I just saw a UFO, would you take it as seriously as if it was a plumber leaving a job site? I know I wouldn't. Now I'd like to address the broader message of your show. Although you didn't directly question the existence of ghosts, you did use words like belief and if. It's my opinion, there is no debate. The release of your episode covering the existence of ghosts was very timely for me as I just finished a Halloween special of the Nighttime Podcast in which I cover a local ghost story. I think that's maybe the reason I got so heated when I, when I listened to your episode. I'm going to paraphrase some of my thoughts on it now as I, I think it's relevant and I would like to share it with you. So now regardless of the name you hang on the concept... A belief in ghosts or souls or spirits is widespread across nearly every civilization that's come and gone through our shared history. If you go back through humanity's written history and even further back into folklore, we've been considering what becomes of us after death and what connection our living world has with any other plane of existence. Although it is an ancient consideration, it's not an archaic idea that died in dark forgotten ages. It's likely an overwhelming majority of those listening to your show right now self-identify with a present-day personal belief system that incorporates a form of spiritualism. It's also equally likely that those people listening right now live in a town that's passing a local ghost story down through the generations. So with that said, for most of us, ghosts, spirits, or hauntings, or whatever you want to call them, are a part of our daily lives. 
As far as what they are, where they are, and how they interact with our world, that's the part that's up for debate. What I believe is what people are experiencing is some type of an echo, some type of an energy that's been left behind by a prior occupant of or by a traumatic event that occurred in the spaces we now occupy. One such example is the many reports of a three-masted schooner appearing completely engulfed in flames sailing within a body of water near my home in Nova Scotia. These reports have spanned over 200 years and refer to an apparition so lifelike that witnesses have gone as far as to board rowboats in hopes of rescuing the crew fighting the flames on the ship's deck. However, the blazing phantom simply dissolves into mist, leaving behind no wreckage or debris when approached. Could all these reports be related to a simple coincidence of light and reflection? Or perhaps did these waters serve as the setting for a long-forgotten tragedy? And perhaps some process unknown to modern-day science has left trace amounts of its horror behind, cursed to repeat itself as the result of some unknown supernatural process. Now, something I'd like people to consider, if you doubt the existence of supernatural phenomenon such as ghosts, remember that the electricity that powers our lives today had mystified even the most brilliant minds for the majority of human history. More recently, cosmologists largely agree on the existence of dark matter or dark energy, but they can't see it or prove it yet. Maybe during our lifetime, science will develop to the point in which other unseen forces can be observed. So in closing, have I seen a ghost? Maybe. Have I seen things I can't explain? Definitely. Do I think my soul, or whatever you want to call it, simply extinguishes into nothing when I die? I certainly don't think so. What's out there? Where it is? How we see it? How we interact with it? I have no idea, but I've definitely been inside some homes and places and experienced things that just didn't feel right, as if there was some part of my body or brain or some type of sense that you know I don't have fine-tuned that was able to perceive it. And that, for me, is enough to believe something's out there. And with that, I just want to thank you for listening to this message, and thank you both for the great work that you do on both Crawl Space and Missing Maura Murray. Have a happy Halloween, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> from Jordan, that Jordan. Yeah. And <clears throat> with his with his with his infinite observations, his articulate delivery, his yeah. wisdom. Can't thank him enough for that. I, I could hear that a was... lot of edits though. I heard a lot of edits. I feel like he started and stopped a lot of times. Yeah, he probably did. It probably was uh I actually didn't think that we were going to bring that up, but now that now that we're talking about it, um, yeah, that probably took him like a month to put together. I like this shameless plug, though. That was my favorite part. Oh, the shameless plug was great. <laughs> yeah. And Jordan, despite the fact that you do not want the lock of Kennedy hair, uh, it's on its way. It's <laughs> It's in the mail, U.S. postal mail. It'll probably get to canada sometime around christmas i keep a little box of it jordan's message was good i liked what he said about parapsychology and uh and he also got into some kind of religious aspects and what happens to your soul after you die and obviously we were in no way prepared to uh tackle that entire subject here tonight but who knows where this conversation will lead eventually well that got me thinking it got me thinking about energy because he brought up energy in his message. And that was something that we discussed briefly in the first ghost episode. So when you think about energy, the universe is made up of energy. It's basically the currency of the world. It's finite. Our life is defined by it. You eat because you need energy to live. A star burns its gas up in a nuclear fusion because that's the energy it that's the energy fuel it needs. And the energy in turn makes other stuff, right? So all life is is a constant transfer of energy. So if you base that if you if you think about that argument or that standpoint, you could say that all human energy has to go somewhere. So where does it go? Perhaps all that human energy in the universe is connected on some level. And when you think about what Albert Einstein, there's a great quote from him that says, everything is energy, and that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely gets into a little bit of a, a deeper topic, I think. 
Um, but I, I like what Jordan said about g- ghosts not really being up for debate and the story he told about the uh, the ship that, that is on fire, the ghost ship mm-hmm. that people have taken rowboats out to, uh, which is pretty drastic. He says they're kind of like an echo, a repeated emotional uh, like imprint. And, and I think th- there's an answer in there somewhere, and I agree with you. It, it has a lot to do with energy, but I think it also has a lot to do with emotion. I think if someone dies in a very emotional way, I think that's why you probably see scary uh, ghosts, you know, because a lot of ghosts were probably murdered. You know, I think a lot of people or, or apparitions that are ghosts were probably met with violent or very emotional ends. Sudden ends. Yeah. Unexpected ends. Yeah. Maybe what you're talking about there is this, this energy that's caught on a loop, right? Right. They can't, yeah. It's like it's like you're stuck in it. Right, because it's not the person's consciousness, right? No, no, because I, can't I don't imagine even, that, right? Right, because a person's consciousness is something that really is not finite. You can't measure that. Whereas you can measure electromagnetism in someone's brain. So that transfers somewhere. And to 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 think about that ending so abruptly, it kind of reminds me of a car stalling out and you try to restart it. Like that energy is going somewhere. Of course, it has some sort of mechanism, the human being trying to start it, but the energy can't get from point A to point B. Also with with Jordan's message um, about the Stanley Hotel, I want to mention about the photography. I think he's wrong. Um, in, in this particular picture, I, I know what he's saying. Um, and you can see there are people moving and he did say someone's moving. There's a kid who's sitting there and he's kind of moving and it does sort of seem like the exact same effect. It's not exactly the same effect though. Am I wrong on this? I mean, first of all, yes, it was a ghost tour and I, it's a great point that he has. And we made the point and kind of joked about it a little bit. Um, and you know, this was a ghost tour that this photo was taken on. Is that a coincidence? Maybe probably not. But none of these people look like they're expecting this kind of situation to happen. They're all just kind of waiting there. Um, and this little girl in this in this nightgown is walking down the stairs. You can see through her at points. Now, again, on the back bench, there's a kid who's leaning. And you can tell he's moving. Not incredibly fast, but you can't make him out. You know, So he does appear a lot like the apparitions. Um, but... I think there's a little bit something more to these. And also, you you have to say that every single person in this photo is in on it, if that's what happened. So none of these people have talked after this photo came out. So you're so Jordan's basically a conspiracy theorist, is is what I'm hearing. See how I turned that on him? Well, I for one would never call out a Canadian for being wrong on anything. So I just have to like applaud your 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 uh courage on on that one um what you're saying is well what what i what i gathered jordan was saying was that the reason why these two apparitions appear the way they appeared was because when the camera took the picture it was performing at a certain shutter speed and those two people were moving at a speed that caught them like that and every yes. no one else in that picture were moving at that speed no no he's right about that um, right, but and and there is someone moving at us. There is two two things moving. This woman that he described right. w- with uh, the red jacket draped over her arm, and there's this kid in the back uh, who's sitting on a bench, and he's leaning up or leaning back. So they're moving at about the same speed that these people would have been walking in. So it is the same effect. Yeah, but what if the little what if the little girl's like running up the stairs? Oh, well, the little girl is definitely taking one, like, slow step down the stairs. The woman is is walking up the steps a little, seemingly a little more brisk. I mean, I can't can't give you an exact mile per hour or anything like that, but they're both in motion, you know. Most people in this photo are not in motion. So in order to prevent any sort of um, inter-podcast disturbances, perhaps we should... Put a call out to some of these people in the in the photo. Anybody who knows 
where this photo comes from or the the people that were in it or or who took it maybe we can get an explanation because um the the intercontinental relations seem to be a little tense right now <laughs> yeah exactly yeah if you are one of the people in this photo please contact us at crawlspacepodcast at gmail.com or if you know anything about this photo or if you know this photo to be a hoax and your name is not Jordan Bonaparte please email us at crawlspacepodcast at gmail.com although I'll follow that up with if you are the ghosts that are in this photo please do not contact us and we'll just let it be I would say contact us on Halloween Contact Jordan on Halloween. <laughs> okay, here's another story, another email here from Amanda. It was an older house built in either the late 1800s or early 1900s, and my family experienced a lot of strange occurrences while we lived there. It was mostly just random things going into the kitchen, and some cabinets would be open that they had just been closed or hearing weird sounds that sounded like footsteps, usually in the kitchen. There was a back bedroom that stayed much colder than the rest of the house, even in the summer. It was used as a storage room and just had a very strange and scary vibe to it. My brothers and I would dare each other to see who could stay in there by ourselves the longest. That's creepy in itself right there. Shows you how scary, frightening the room was. Uh, We also had two bathrooms, but only used one. And the one we didn't use had a super creepy vibe to it, just like the back bedroom. Eventually, my parents boarded these two rooms off. They said it was to save on utilities, but I don't know, dot, dot, dot. That is super interesting that the parents boarded off those two rooms. She continues with, one time our blender went off in the middle of the night. My parents said that it was probably caused by a wiring short, but... It was never proven, and years later, when we moved out, they admitted that they just told us that so we wouldn't be scared. That was probably the most concrete, scary thing I remember happening there. I never saw an actual ghost or anything like that. My brothers claimed to see a figure of an old lady in their room, but as a kid, I thought they were just trying to scare me. To this day, they still say that they did see something, though. As for myself, I mostly just had that feeling of constantly being watched which is creepy. We've all had that feeling. You wake up in the middle of the night and it just feels like something's there. If I was alone and it was very quiet, sometimes I would think I heard voices, but could never make out what they were saying. I also had horrible nightmares. And she goes on to say, when I was in eighth grade, we moved to a new house and all of the weird stuff just stopped, including my nightmares. I've never had strange experiences like that in any other house, not even later on when I lived in an even older house that was supposedly haunted. I'm not 100% sure I believe in ghosts, but I feel like that house had some heavy energy at the very least. I do like the theory about places having energy. That makes a lot of sense to me, which I think is really cool. That was, that's a that's a really cool story. It, it, it fits in with this, I don't know, it's like it's unintentional that we start even talking about this energy and most of these stories have some sort of energy related substance to them yeah it seems like the world is ready to just accept that you know <laughs> like not not uh not ghosts or like you know our our you know dead i don't know dead people coming back to haunt us because it's fun or anything like that i think what we're like i also i was kind of surprised that we didn't get any emails or tweets being like you guys you know you guys should be ashamed of yourselves for coming to that conclusion that you actually kind of believe in ghosts you know and no one said that at all it was all people that were like yeah and jordan even kind of called us out for like not going far enough on it so i mean maybe Maybe everyone just believes this, and that's just deep down, like, singularly, people just feel that, you know, in in their bones, I think. That's a great way to put it. People just feel that, because it's all connected somehow. I don't know how. It's funny how kids feel it more, and they're less influenced by anything that's been out there in the media. We have this story here about her and her siblings, and they just had a weird feeling being in this bathroom. doesn't help the fact that the parents boarded up these rooms and then told them that it was for utility purposes. A kid is seeing a boarded-up room 
is gives you a weird feeling, especially when you already had that weird feeling about that room. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the when I the house I grew up in had this little closet that was off to the side. You go upstairs and it was to the um, it was to the right. And it was like it was like a little half door. And when you went inside, it was the ceiling came down because it was the roof. So you kind of had to duck down when you went inside. And it was our toy closet. And it was just all of our, all, you know, my, my two sisters and myself, it was all of the toys and it was my older sister's old toys in there. And that room, that, that room terrified me. And occasionally we had to clean it out and organize it. And I just hated being in that room. Um, and there was also a, uh, there was also down in the, in our basement for some reason or another, our parents had decided to, they wanted to expand the basement out to the shed. So the the basement was obviously underground, and then the shed was the the way the ground went up. Let me start this again. I'll describe it a little better. I'm loving this. This is like yeah. a theory that my grandmother had uh, about our old next door neighbors. She said that they uh, she the woman was a seamstress, but uh, so so she had like people come over, like elderly couple older couples come over to pick up their dresses and drop off their stuff. But uh, my grandmother was convinced that there was a tunnel uh, funneling drugs back and forth from the garage to the, the house because the uh, the husband did a lot of yard work. <laughs> and he was in the garage a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, she, so, she's a whole topic for another episode. <laughs> a whole other episode for, was that your grandmother? Yeah. For Grandma Pleary. Yep. Um. So for whatever reason, uh, at the end of the basement on the stone wall at the very top, my parents stopped working on this expansion of the basement that eventually goes out to the shed. And it was just this hole. It was this like probably four foot in diameter hole that went out to the shed. So if you ever went to our house and you couldn't get in, you could go to the shed, you'd move a board, and then you'd go into the hole and you'd be in the basement and you'd drop down. It was probably like six feet down, so you kind of hang and then you'd drop down and you'd go up through the basement stairs and you could open the door. What? And... What? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So that hole was over the kitchen. And was this like an Amityville situation and your dad was possessed when he did it? <laughs> when he dug this hole? <laughs> yeah, and we're like, Dad, why are you so cold? You're always so cold. It's the middle of July. You're cold and you're sweating. I don't understand that. My, my mother um, told me about this dream that she had. Because we were, I was always freaked out about the this hole in the basement, and the. Um, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Uh, no, uh, no. Every 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 nine or ten year old child should be mentally prepared to deal with crawling through a pitch black hole in their basement. So the hole was right right below the kitchen, and. The part of the kitchen was where the stove was, and by the stove was our silverware drawer. And my mother told me this story about um, a dream she had where she went into the kitchen, and she didn't know why, but she needed to open up this drawer, the silverware drawer. And she opened up the drawer, and she looked in it, and it snapped back, and it slammed shut. And then she opened it up again, and it snapped back and slammed shut. And she did it a third time, and she couldn't, she couldn't open it. It was like a tug-of-war game with this drawer. So long story, long, reading that about this room and just being a kid and having a bad feeling about a room is completely relatable. I had a bad feeling about this toy room. I had a bad feeling about, shockingly enough, the, a bad feeling about um, a four-foot-in-diameter hole in my basement that led to led to a, a bleeding pig. Potentially. And... Wait, a bleeding pig? What? Amityville, the, the pig oh, in the okay. window. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had a bad feeling about this drawer. There was a haunted drawer in my in my kitchen from when I was probably like nine to about 22. But that was just a dream. 
oh, that was a dream, but it still resonated in in my head. I guess in retrospect, maybe my parents weren't that good at at raising me because they <laughs> they filled my head with the. Like, she probably shouldn't have told me this story because I never opened that drawer ever again in my in my life without oh. thinking about it snapping back. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, you're you're a good lad these days, so they must have done something right. But Thanks. I think it's something inherent. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think she she like that was a bad parental moment from your mom i think she was teaching you about the world she was teaching you about ghosts um and obviously getting something off of her chest that she was bothered by but it's it's something that people understand i think just like we we're talking about kind of inherently yeah absolutely and and i don't want to make it seem like that that obviously was kidding about being raised poorly but um yeah, exactly. There was something about that that moment that you know it seemed important enough to tell somebody else. And I guess it's uh, it's kind of cool that you decided to tell me that I would be uh, at least mentally capable enough to handle that without you know totally freaking out. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. From Shelly. Hey guys, just listened to your Ghost Vault episode and I can't help but tell this story. Please use it. In the fall of 1999, my then boyfriend, Ben, who is now my husband, and I agreed to house sit for a couple that were going overseas for two weeks. They were sort of a friend of a friend and we did not know anything about them other than he was a high paid dentist and they had two Dalmatian dogs that would need caring for. We were excited by the opportunity because we lived in a tiny one-bedroom apartment and they lived in a sprawling, gorgeous mansion on a lake. Lake Minnetonka is a wealthy suburb of Minneapolis. Back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, Lake Minnetonka was mostly a touristy destination. People would go there on trains to vacation by the water. Lots of older houses, like the one we would be staying in, they were remodeled and added onto, but the old charm was still visible and felt throughout the home. This particular house was built in 1915. 
The house was on a large lot with massive trees and a steep backyard hill that led to the lake and a dock. The dogs were fenced in at the front of the house and spent most of their time outdoors. Nothing seemed weird at first. We were just happy to be 20-somethings in a large house drinking coffee while overlooking the lake. The feeling of bliss soon wore off. On the second night of our stay, I was in the large kitchen cooking a late dinner. The oven still had lots of time left, so I pulled myself up to the center kitchen island and turned on the kitchen TV. This was during the whole Who Wants to Be a Millionaire craze. Regis hosted every night, and it was literally the most exciting thing to ever happen, and I agree, it was pretty exciting back then. Ben was in the adjacent room, and we were yelling back and forth what we thought the answers were. The dogs were outside, and there was no one else in the house. She goes on with, I began to notice this weird sound. It took me a moment to even realize it was coming from the room I was in and not the TV. It was a soft swishing sound. Swish. 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 I looked to my right and left but saw nothing and quickly brushed it off. It was autumn and most likely a breeze or leaves, I told myself. I went back to focusing on Regis. But then I heard it again. Swish. 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 I spun my head around and behind me on the French door leading to the front yard. The cord that you could use to pull open the slated blinds was swinging back and forth. As if someone had the cord in their hand and let it go. It just sort of swung there, swishing against the closed blinds. Now the hair stood up on my neck. A really odd, scary feeling washed over me that I could not even explain. I sat there, still as can be, and watched the cord slowly come to a stop. I muted the TV, popped off the center island, and just stood there, watching, waiting. Something told me to stay. Sure enough, I watched the cord lift into the air and fall loose, swinging back and forth. Swish, swish, swish. Now I'm terrified. There is no one there. The windows are closed. The breeze could have moved the cord to the blinds. Most girls would scream, get my boyfriend in here. So now I'm standing there, pointing to the door, and he's staring at it, waiting for me to tell him what's going on. I tell him the cord to the blinds is moving by itself. No, he says, that's impossible, but it's happening. I know it, and I felt it. Just then, as if on cue, the cord lifts again in front of us, and I swear to God, the blinds started going up. Click. 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 One by one, the blinds move up. Up they go, all by themselves. I grab Ben and push my way into the doorway behind us, just as we hear the blinds let go and slam back shut. I turned off the oven, threw the chicken in the garbage, and refused to go back in there. We ate Doritos for dinner. The next day, we returned to the house after eating out. It was dark in the home, and we were flipping on every light we could. We could hear this loud noise coming from upstairs where our guest room was. We creeped up the stairs. The sound was growing louder. A chill swept over us. It was the bathroom. The bathroom sink faucet was on full blast, water pumping out fast and furiously. Ben turned the water off, shrugging it off. I was so scared at this point, I begged to go home. I did not want to be there anymore, let alone sleep there. But we stayed. Nothing happened for a few more days. I was beginning to think I had imagined the whole thing. I drew a bubble bath in the large jacuzzi tub near the guest room. I was reading my book and soaking when suddenly the jets turned on by themselves. I punched at the button to make it stop, but nothing seemed to work. I got that weird feeling again, like someone was in the room or watching me. I freaked out and stood up in the tub, grabbing a towel. The jets stopped. The roar of the jets stopping as quickly as they had begun. Silence all around me. Only the faraway sound of Ben playing the PlayStation downstairs. Just as I'm getting out of the tub, the sink faucet roars to life right in front of me. The water bursting out of the faucet like Niagara Falls. I literally screamed. I ran out of the tub, out of the bathroom, and down the stairs, screaming at Ben frantically, dripping wet and terrified. I'm trying to explain what has just happened when I'm interrupted by a loud bang. The bathroom door has slammed shut above us. The water is still running out of the faucet when we decide to leave. 
we bolt past the bathroom and into the guest room, throwing our stuff into the suitcase as fast as we can. Ben turns off the water, turns off all the lights, locks the creepy-ass house up, gets in the car, and we speed around the lake towards home. We had a week left at the house, but never slept there again. We only checked on the dogs and fed them. I was never so scared of a place in my entire life, and we never told the owners what happened. (laughs) And when they left a message a month later asking us to house it again, dot, 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 we never called back. Oh, great ending. I love the punchline. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what, Shelly? I don't know if I 100% believe every detail in here, but... I got to say, I when we first read this, I just wanted to read it. I just, it's it's so well crafted. Yeah, it's um, good. It's very good. It's good. It's creepy. Um, and I believe I believe most of it. Um, I will say that she said that they were drinking coffee and watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Sorry, that one doesn't ring true. <laughs> you were drinking wine and watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Come on, let's be honest. Uh, so I, I think I think she didn't want to cloud the email with uh, us saying, well, she was just drunk, you know, and then she was in the hot tub the second time, you know, probably some drinks going on that weekend. I get it. It doesn't mean that didn't happen, though. Let me just add, I think you were in a in a in a haunted house. I'll be honest. I think I think you were in a place that didn't want you there. That's what I think. I think that the owners of the house rigged this house up to do <laughs> to do shit like this. And they probably have cameras, and they probably got themselves a good laugh out of out of watching you guys uh, freak out and 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 flee the place. And then they probably went back and fed their dogs. Yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. But yeah. just just pranksters, just a dentist getting his rocks off. <laughs> but I gotta say, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if it's partially true. But Shelley. Excellent job writing this. Good job. Thank you, Shelly. And thank you, everyone who submitted stories. We really appreciate it. Um, parapsychology, Lance. The the word reminds me of Peter Venkman uh, in the first yep. scene of Ghostbusters. Electric shocking uh, the, the man, even though he's getting right answers just because he likes the uh, the woman. <laughs> um it you know n- not that it's fake or anything i mean it was kind of portrayed that way in that scene at least or kind of a joke in that scene but that is something i think we should dig into kind of go a little further on this conversation down the line what do you think i totally agree it's such a fascinating concept to get into the uh the human element to get into the human brain to really explore this uh concept of parapsychology and the concept of energy and how it relates to what we see and what how we interpret things yeah. um we bring up a lot the um sleep paralysis this worldwide phenomenon that would be and, a great one to get into yeah yeah and i believe that has a lot to do with this common energy or this common um parapsychology connection Okay, so uh, last topic here that I have tonight is um, just a little story I wanted to tell you, Lance, about my sister. Um, you know, we entered this uh, this idea a few weeks ago talking about ghosts, um, coming up with some personal stories. Maybe maybe that that's interesting on some level, just kind of knowing the person and being like, well, this person wouldn't make that up. So I know my sister, and, you know, she she doesn't really make this stuff up. And I've known this story for like 20 years or, or more, possibly. I'm trying to think. I was probably in my early teens, maybe 12 or something like that, when this story happened. Maybe maybe like 13 or 14. But uh, we were living in Medford. Medford and uh, there was this little pathway that uh, that we often took to go, you know, it led to other parts of the city and you'd you'd go there. You'd go down the pathway, and uh, my sister was taking it one night to go visit her friends. And I just remember her leaving. You know, I was there in my house that night, and I remember her leaving, going to, going to see Jill. And then she just came running back like a minute later, like pounding on the door, running back frantically, <laughs> looking like she just saw a ghost. And so that's literally what she said. Um, she says she things she saw go she said it was it looked like a woman who was kind of dressed in all white um and had her arm out and she kind of thought when she first saw her that she was like holding like a dog leash or something like that it just that's kind of what what the her first thought was on it 
but as she got closer, she realized, you know, this was, wasn't a physical person. And so she kind of got freaked out and ran back to the house. And so I remember that story, you know, she told, told it to me, um, you know, she told us obviously right when that happened, I remembered it since then. I asked her again this week because of this episode, I asked her about it and, uh, what she remembered of it and what she thinks of it now and things like that. So she says now she thinks that, you know, she still stands by that definitely happened. That was, you know, I believe that was some kind of paranormal entity. Um, but she says she thinks that that was an angel now. Um, and she says it was all white and it had its kind of arm out. I don't know. And she was like, also sub subplot. My, she was like, maybe her arm out. She was like pointing back, like, don't go that, you know? And so it turns out that night in real life, my sister ended up going back out and she met up with Jill and she got into a fist fight with Jill that night. So, <laughs> and, and my sister, you know, she was kind of a wild one, but not, not into fist fights all the time. Like she's probably only gotten into a few. So this was kind of a big event for her. She's probably only gotten into a few. <laughs> Hey, Medford. Yeah, you know it's a that's it's true. T- tough time. Not take into it. Yeah, I did not take into account that most people are just born with the they've 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 born with that right. Like you, this is this is what happens. You grow up in Medford. A lot of times you don't have a choice. At least back then. You're, yeah, um, you're lucky if you have just a few. <laughs> yeah, so I guess she got into a fist fight with one of her best friends that night. Um, and you know she remains friends with them today. But I think they went through some hard times for a while because of that night. Um, so she kind of looks back on it in a different way now, not that that person was trying to scare her not, or that apparition was trying to scare her, but that was maybe potentially someone trying to warn her. And she's, she also said that she went to, you know, she, she loves psychics. She's been to Laurie Bruno, our buddy, Laurie Bruno, very many times. And Laurie Bruno, she believes, told her that that was an angel. Uh, and now, and now I will say my sister, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure it was Laurie Bruno who said that she was like, it was either Laurie Bruno or Sylvia Brown, who, uh, Sylvia Brown is a famous psychic, uh, I believe who passed away recently. Um, obviously any psychic is extremely controversial. So some people are going to say this person's a fraud, a phony, a fake, other people are going to say they believe that person. So anyway, my sister believes Sylvia Brown, she was into it, but it, it does kind of bring up like another, like a religious question, kind of like how we started the conversation. It, it almost brings my sister's religion into it, you know, into the conversation now. Maybe her religion affected the story, you know? Is your sister heavily religious? She was raised Catholic just like me, but not not particularly. I think she definitely believes in things like angels and things like that, like what Sylvia Brown uh, wrote about, that kind of thing. I don't think so much of if there's going to be any criticism about the uh, the psychics, I think people might be grasping at the wrong part of the story. I think the the right part of the story is the incident itself. You said she was out of the house for like what, a, a minute. minute. Yeah, less probably less than a minute. Mm-hmm. And. It's a it's the same house that I, I I knew you at, right? Actually, no. It was a place we lived before that. This is Sunset Ave. Yeah, very small street, very a dead end road. Were the how was it as um, thick with uh, neighbors like uh, like like your other neighbor? Like yeah, about, like about next door neighbors were right there. Yeah, it was heavily settled. It's pretty residential. It's right uh, next to Tufts University. So um, this pathway that I was describing is sort of filled with vegetation and and next to a house but also next to a gymnasium cousins gymnasium at tufts university so that's kind of what you're looking at on one side it's like a fence and like a yard with all sorts of crap but it's all tufts uh property so it's it's actually kind of an isolated little pathway i suppose when you're in the pathway but not okay you know and not a particularly isolated street although it was a dead end or is a dead end well, I can certainly see why your sister would would run back. Your sister, from my uh, experience and your your uh, your description of of your experience, and even the description tonight that she ended up getting into a fist fight with one of her friends, 
I I would imagine it would take something quite remarkable to startle your sister to make her turn around and run back instead of instead of approaching the woman and saying, why are you being so fucking creepy? <laughs> right. That sounds about right. I, I, I feel yeah. like knowing your sister, that's her first. Re- that would be her first reaction. Why are you being creepy? Why are you, you being doing? creepy? Get out of here. So, yeah, get out of like here, that. kid. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. You're about you're pretty right there. Yeah, she's she would uh, rather throw a punch than uh, cry a tear. Uh, my sister. So yeah, she she's not one to get get afraid of um, of it, of nothing, especially. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. why I'm saying I think we should focus on the the incident itself. If it wasn't a ghost, if it wasn't an angel, if it was somebody there, that person was effectively creepy enough to send your sister running back that alone is pretty creepy the other alternatives are also very creepy so whatever happened did at least burn itself into your sister's head enough so that she can still probably tell you the story without much of it changing right yeah and she did she did this week tell me uh the story um without it changing or having changed um so yeah pretty interesting yeah i don't know i don't know what to make of it um, but I will say that I definitely don't think it was a real person out there um, at all. So I definitely believe her there, at least, that she saw something. Maybe it was an angel warning her. I don't know. Um, but speaking of Lori Bruno, Lance, and I and I'm, we got to wrap up here, but uh, just wanted to bring up Lori Bruno because it's a whole nother topic, right? But it's kind of related to this. Psychics? So Lori Bruno has said some stuff in like to me in my life that, you wouldn't believe if I told you right now. Let me. I'm just going to tell you one thing. I'm going to leave you with one thing that that this a world famous psychic told me about ten years ago. She told me that I was going to be doing a radio show. She was like, "Radio show?" She was like, "With Lance, your friend Lance, um, like a spooky radio show, and you're going to scare the hell out of people." She told me that about ten years ago. That's directly from her. That's uh, from a notebook that I have from about 10, ten years ago. And for the record, I, I had not met her at that time, right? Uh, I think you maybe met her like that day. I think it was that day. Yeah. I, I think I was I think I was in the room, but I, I went after you did. Yeah, I can't remember the order exactly, but it wasn't like she knew you or it wasn't I mean it wasn't like no. she didn't even describe like radio. She was like radio show and kinda like gave like a like I'm not really sure what what I'm describing here, but I mean, it seems pretty obvious she was describing crawl space and missing more Murray then. Um, but you know, we obviously didn't know podcasts literally didn't exist back then, or if they did, they were in the infant stage and probably didn't even have a, a coined a, a name yet. The, the word podcast didn't even exist at that point. Even at that time. I mean, it wasn't in any like realm of possibility for either of us to, embark on a radio career no no would have been yeah way out of left field uh so yeah i i don't know i just wanted to leave you with that and leave the audience with that being like that's fascinating it it is fascinating i don't know how the hell she did that but i swear to god she did that and like you said maybe she we weren't thinking of doing any radio no maybe she looked at me and she was like that guy there's got a face for radio (laughs) (laughs) that was probably it it was probably just all based on that yeah I, I I have to tell you, Lori Bruno has done some amazing things. She said some amazing things, and to people who have no idea what's going on in any aspect, just a quick follow up on Lori Bruno. Um, my girlfriend and one of her really good friends, actually the best friend that she has, they have similar names. Also named Cat, right? Uh there's Catherine and Cat. Oh, okay. So very similar names. And Catherine has just recently discovered her sort of spiritual side, but I don't want to say spiritual like she's exploring Christianity or anything like that. It's more of like a a sense that she's exploring. Um, and she's credited my girlfriend with opening her up to that because they have these cosmic conversations sometimes. And it all relates to this energy thing. So they wanted to go to a psychic and 
I I didn't even recommend Lori Bruno. She just knew that we were uh, associated with Lori Bruno from from our work with the podcast and and the documentary. So they booked the uh, they booked the the appointment with Lori on on their own, and they went to see her. And it was interesting. Uh, they both came back and they said she nailed it on on so many things, but it was like she was confusing. They have very similar energy, mm-hmm. and it was almost like she was confusing their energy. When when Catherine sat down, she said to Catherine, who's the person in your life who is working in, in film or something like that? And she said, I, I think it's I think it's Lance. That's the only person I know who's doing anything in that in that in that in, you know, industry. And she said, uh, tell tell him it's 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 going to work out. Tell him it's going to work out. Um, she was it was it was an interesting dynamic of things she said to my girlfriend and things she said to my girlfriend's friend were all related to each other. Sometimes it was, she nailed specific things like, like my girlfriend's grandmother, for example, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and my girlfriend's friend's boyfriend. And his name is similar to my name. Tance. It's Tance. Yeah. No, (laughs) his name is similar to my name. And she was, she was, almost confusing him and I too, but what she was saying was accurate and pertained to one of us. But I feel like she just had this like collective energy. She was trying to, right. she was trying to read. Okay. And so she, yeah. Okay. So, so there's some kind of collective pool that she dips into and sometimes it gets a little confused. It gets a little confusing uh, for her, I'm yeah. sure. And like, as, as we talked about, like she couldn't describe she didn't have the word um podcast because it didn't exist she had not no basis for it so she was like radio tv show i, I don't know something like that that was what she said yeah so and she did the yeah. same thing with uh my girlfriend when she was trying to uh, one of my girlfriend's jobs deals with um uh, she she works in the science industry she works in um she deals with dna on occasion and lori was speaking to her about she could see something like a, a coil, like a spiral, and like DNA, and like cutting, like scissors, and she's making the motion like scissors. And recently, this new uh, development CRISPR came out, which was literally splicing DNA. It's the cop. It's taking a piece from here and putting it in, and you cut and you yeah. put it in, and it's it's revolutionary. And she's Lori is describing this. And my girlfriend says, "Oh, you mean CRISPR?" And Lori says, "In in the only way Lori could say it, she says, I don't know what it's called." <laughs> Yeah. Because it's just so obvious to her. Like, <laughs> I'm just telling you called. what I see. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I could see that. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things we talked about is doing another Crawl Space Live and talking to Lori Bruno. I think it would be really incredibly fascinating to talk to her about, obviously, her life and career because she has actually even helped with law enforcement at times. And I know, again, some people will be skeptical of that, but we'll ask her the questions that a skeptic would want to ask her, I think, um, you know, but, but I think it would be fascinating to, to talk to her about that and also energy. Like, what does she think this is? I couldn't, once again, we've spent some time just kind of riffing on, on various topics, starting with ghosts. And we, we end in a place that I didn't expect we would end, which is Lori Bruno and this underlying no pun intended, current of energy that we were talking about. Perhaps Lori Bruno is the person to talk to about this. Of course she is. We got to do this. Yep. Let's, let's set this live show up for, for somewhere in Salem, potentially. Let's, let's look into this. I think somewhere in Salem is probably about as appropriate as, as you can get with the history that Salem has in that surrounding area. And, and and Lori herself, will figure out where we're going to do it. We'll make the announcement and, We'll uh we'll put it out there and hopefully people can can come and again if you're a skeptic if you're a believer perfect. I think it's going to be interesting on all levels. All of it's perfect. We don't care. Just keep your patience during and don't distract. And uh, you know we we don't know we may have Lori Bruno at work you know doing her work in front of people. Uh, that would be pretty amazing. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to get this in motion. But um anyway. Uh, Otherwise, let's uh, let's wrap up here. Uh, thank you for listening to the go- the ghost episode part two. I know we kind of bounced around a little bit, but we we stayed on the topic of energy at least, 
and uh, weirdness and creepiness and things that we can't, we can't explain. I mean, may, that's why we're talking about Lori Bruno. Maybe she can help explain it. And they've been trying to explain this for years. And I just, my last thing, I just want to end with this quote from a hero of mine. I'm not even going to say who it is. Merciless is the law of nature. And rapidly and irresistibly, we are drawn to our doom. That's Jordan Bonaparte. person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.